it's, it's been a while since I've stood and talked. Oh, oh no, I'm not supposed to do that. Pete is going to come up here and prepare us <laughs> and, and read the text for us for today. Thanks, Pete. This reading is from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 17 through chapter 2, verse 10. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So we're in the book of Jonah, and this story is so memorable, right? It starts with God speaking to the prophet, instructing him, I got this message for you, speak for me to the people of Nineveh. Jonah hears God say, go, Jonah goes, just the opposite direction, right? He gets on, his, he boards a ship to take this voyage, in all essence, around the world, right? As far as way possible from that to, to another place. A storm emerges. They all realize it's Jonah. God sends the storm. The sailors throw Jonah overboard. They then trust in God themselves and praise him. And this is where we find ourselves in the story. This is the center of Jonah. It's right in the middle, right? It's, the, it, it, it's like the centerpiece. And Jonah is such an interesting, interesting story that all of us know, right? And so it begins and it ends. There's like this symmetry. And so when you read the book of Jonah, that's why people have been like, it's been, uh, it, it's so complex because of the symmetry and the way it's written. Some parts feel like narrative. Other parts feel like parable. And this part in the middle is God's actions at the beginning and the end with like a psalm in the middle, a prayer. And that's where we find ourselves. 
we find ourselves, Jonah's thrown overboard, and God sends a big fish to swallow him. And we learn nothing of those three days and three nights in that fish. We know nothing about that moment except for this prayer that emerges. And at the end of the prayer is God having the fish vomit Jonah up onto dry land. And today it's, um, it does, it doesn't matter how you read this story, right? The, the, the bigger story is God's intervention in this world, and we're going to see that. So we don't, uh, our, our role, my role, I, I don't need for you to read Jonah as I read Jonah, right? You can wrestle with this reality and say, yeah, I think it actually happened, or, or no, I think it's a parable, it's a story, right? It, that part really doesn't matter. There's people, right? There, there are people who have done studies on whales and their esophagus, and if someone can fit down there, and how long a human could then be in the gut of an animal before the acids would dissolve them, and all that kind of stuff, right, in order to like, prove scientifically that this could be, and, and again, that's, that's kind of cool, regardless, right, but um, with the digestive juices and all that, but, but the important part is that we have a God who's speaking to us and who speaks to us through story, and this is one. And this is a story, there, there's a parable in it, and there's a prayer. And today we're looking at this prayer in God's intervention. And Jonah's first response in this sort of new condition of being saved from the storm is to pray. This is actually the first time Jonah's prayed. This is the first time where the prophet actually looks sort of like a prophet or even a God believer, Right? But he prays, Jonah prays, and this is the center of the story. And it's also located in the belly of a fish. (laughs) In the belly of a fish, and in this drowning that Jonah is getting ready to take, it's followed by a resurrection. And in this resurrection, Jonah is called to be who he is called to be. And, and why I think this is so significant for us is that there, there are drownings and resurrections for us. <laughs> right? More than one. In, our, in your lifetime. Right? These senses where we were drowning and we were saved and we were resurrected. And in that, when we take notice of it, And we see the God who is among us and with us and around us, above us and behind us and other us. We acknowledge God. We move with God. We seem to become who we're meant to be. There's There's this destiny in acknowledging these drownings and resurrections. And all this is shaped within the response of praying. Then even the act of prayer, this is our destiny. That's why I love this story. See, this prayer that's here in the middle is, is Jonah's attentiveness, his attentiveness and responsiveness to God. 
What's so interesting? The attentiveness and responsiveness of a human being before God. This, this is human. Animals, not in that way. I mean, angels seem to be told immediately, right? But there's this attentiveness and responsiveness that is purely human for us. This is unique to us. And that's what this story is about. That's what this prayer is about. Prayer is that attentiveness and responsiveness before God, the God who's initiating and moving and us appropriately responding to this. In this place of attentiveness, and I just find it so interesting for Jonah, right? It's in, this, it's in, the, it's in the belly of the fish, the belly of the whale. If you've, if you've, that's how you've been taught to, you know, like, again, it doesn't matter, right? Like, it's a big fish. Could it be a whale? Sure. But it's there. When I was reflecting on this idea of even Jonah being there, it is a moment of confinement, right? I've never been in the, right? He's confined. It's like a cell. Jesus himself talked about that in the same way of Jonah's confinement, three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so he too would be confined in the grave, right? And that this would be the sign for all the generations to see that Jesus was the Messiah would be his resurrection. And yet there's this story of this uh, rebirth of Jonah that gets emerged within disobedience and then in confinement. My word, can every person in humanity, every, every person who has stepped on the earth, who has been alive for the last year, has experienced confinement. A confinement that you're, you're wrestling, angry and sad or praising God for his care and his provision. Are you experiencing salvation? Are you experiencing pain? Pain or problem, right? Problems, pain, or praise. And whenever those things happen, they're always an opportunity for us to respond to the God who's with us. I mean, people have said when it comes to prayer, there's really only two kinds of prayer. Prayers of pain or prayers of praise. Lots of subcategories where you could divide those out into different ones, but those are really the categories, right? We're praising God. We're in pain. Right? We're crying out to God. And there's something about the space of confinement that creates the adequate spot, right, for our becoming. Where we can tune into God more intently for what God is wanting to do and wanting to speak and grab our attention for our good, for us to experience new life, right? A resurrection, as Jonah did. Not that it was perfect, we know that. Right? We're going we're to continue to read this story for another two weeks, and we're going to see it still gets pretty weird. But that's what happened here, in this confinement, in this compression, by something new happened. And I, I, I want to encourage us all to be really curious about what's happening right now in all of us. And the activity that God is doing and the confinement that we're finding ourselves in, these seasons of being in the whale or in the fish, right? And what our response to God is in this. There's something about, like, 
being in those spots, right, these spaces of confinement like Jonah's here in the, in the fish, where you know you're utterly out of control, but you get to see the hand of God who's at work. It's this environment in which our capacities are reduced to nothing, or nearly nothing. And it's going to be purely the mercy of God that's going to shape us. Have you experienced that in the last year? Being shaped by the mercy of God. We heard those stories, right? Like, Ed, I loved your story. When, you know, like in, in, in even your retelling of that story and the way you've seen it and, that, and seeing the man, the quadriplegic, right, going down the street and thinking that's Jesus coming in the flesh and yet here's been God who's taking care of you this whole year. It's a story of praise, right? story of God's mercy to us and God who's shaping. It's this place of becoming. I love that story because Ed is kind of saying, hey, I want to be responsive to what God's doing. And he felt it, right? His heart leapt. And it's been the story of becoming more attentive to God. I love that. What I think that's so interesting about Jonah and this prayer, I think it's for us all. And so when we read the story and we hear the story of Jonah getting swallowed by a big fish, immediately they're like, this story is for kids, <laughs> right, to teach them about the biblical stories. But it's not a story that's for us. It's not a story that we're going through. This is so unique to Jonah. And it's like, no, this is for us. I, I believe that this story is going to show this, that it's like, no, this is a common experience of humans, to, get, to drown and get swallowed up and to experience the resurrection of God and then in that space of confinement to be reshaped by God who meets us with his mercy. It's common. And so when you read the prayer, and this is, this is the part that convinces me, when you read this prayer and some of it's like, wow, that sounds like a really religious prayer, right? I don't even know what Jonah's talking about. But it's like all Psalms. Jonah is reciting a prayer, right? Jonah's not, Jonah isn't like being like off the cuff praying with that. No, he's going to the Psalms, the prayer book of his day. And that's what Jonah is bringing forth. And you know why I think that's so, so significant? It's because it's like, oh no, I'm going to use the common prayer book for this because this is a common experience. Well, not the, not the literally fish <laughs> but the story of our own rebellion the story of our drowning the story of pain the stories of hardship the story of God intervening the story of us responding to God's intervention with praise of crying out to the problems that we're experiencing and so when Jonah gives us and prays the Psalms he's like oh yeah we, we've, got, we've got a prayer book. We've got this guide, these, this, this group of prayers that has gone before us to give us language, to give us something to be able to step into these scenarios as humans and to pray. And to know that this experience is something that's for us all. For our shaping and our becoming. I believe it's a human response of us all. That's why he prays this common prayer, these common prayers that are from the Psalms. 
And how interesting, right? This is, this is the part when you study Jonah and the things like that, where it's like, Jonah, um, he's, in, he's in a big fish, and at no time is Jonah saying, God, I'm, oh, I really, really messed up, and I'm still very much uncertain what's going to happen to me. <laughs> I'm going to die here. No, he sees it as salvation. Jonah is already convinced, you've saved me. And this, this psalm is a response, a response of praise. It's praise. God, you've saved me. I call to you and you heard me. That's this psalm. People wrestle with that. And so in this, that Jonah prayed is not remarkable, right? We, we commonly pray in desperate circumstances. But it's remarkable the way that he prayed. Right? And it was he prayed these set prayers of praise before God. And for me, that just communicates, oh, church, the Psalms before us to give us language within the pain and to give us language of praise. But it's also let us know that this is our story. This is our story. And to be attentive, to, to have our eyes upon God, right? And the new birth that God is wanting to, that's what God is about. Remaking us. Renewing us. Bringing new life. Through the initiation of Jesus. The initiation of our God. The initiation of our Trinitarian God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for us to be attentive to that work. As we wait in the hardships, we cry out to the problems. And as we experience the taste of new birth, we praise God. I think that's that story's for us. So, where, where do you find yourself today? Are you drowning? Right? It, does it seem like if you were like tipping the scales of life... Is it tipping more towards problems and pain and despair? Is it tipping more to, oh my word, my eyes are on the provision of God. I, I, I'm just mindful of that. And maybe, maybe that's not even helpful for that sort of dualistic idea there. Maybe you're like me where it feels like within thoughts, Right? The scales are tipping between pain and praise. I find myself in the prayers of distress and well-being within the same breath. <laughs> Here's the good news. This is true. Jonah understands this, and I hope we understand this. That we have a God that's near. Whether it's the pain or it's the praise, we have a God that's near. Our praise is to God who has been near, and in our pain, it's to cry out to the God that is near. That is the good news. But it's incredibly hard. This last week, as Carmel was saying, right, we got the most, some of the most amazing like news that is yet to be that our, our family will be 
it will be growing for those of you who've had the chance to experience that and to, ex to experience at least the, the moment of good news of that, right? Like they're, it's like, it's, it's not the moment that they've come and now you're tired and, and all the, it's, it's the, they haven't even come and it's just the good news of knowing they're coming and you, you haven't like paid the price of what that means. So all I know is this benefit, right? You're like, you're just dreaming of, you're longing for this so good thing and so it's, it's good news, right? And to be able to share that good news with people you love and who love you and to praise God for that is, that is really good. But immediately, if you're like me, man, my mind immediately goes to the problems and the what-ifs and the uncertainties and the fears and the concerns and the distress in that moment. This past week we were reading in the morning and this felt like a Jonah text for me. And it was, it was Jesus after um, his cousin, the forerunner, John the Baptist, was just on a whim beheaded just because somebody wanted to do it. But some his daughter asked, hey, give me, give me this guy's head. We don't really care for him. And he does, he kills him. This, is, this was a prophet, right? This was a, this was a beloved person by Jesus, his disciples, and others. And Jesus wants to get away, but he goes off with a crowd, and he loves this crowd, because I think they're probably all mourning to John the Baptist, because everyone knew that John had been beheaded gruesomely and on a whim. And they're hungry, and Jesus feeds them. And I saw that so differently this last week, where Jesus feeding them wasn't just for their hunger, but it was like sitting shiva. It's like, what do you do with people who mourn? You eat together, right? You be together. And Jesus does that. But then he sends the people away, and it, and it says this, this really grabbed me, and it says, and me, after Jesus had done this, he sent his disciples in a boat, and they crossed to their side of the lake, and while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills to pray by himself. And it says this, night fell. And he was there alone. And that word, I, don't, I read the scriptures, like I try to take notice of what I'm reading, a lot of the spirit of God who said, that Jesus said, this is your teacher, this is your guide, I will teach you all things, you don't need someone to teach you. Not, it doesn't mean you shouldn't learn and read from others, but he says, hey, the Spirit is interacting with you. And for me, that word, night fell. Right? Felt weightier, heavier. Not, not just the figurative sense that, it's, oh, they're, that they're telling us it's nighttime. No, it felt me meatier than that for even me. Jesus has been wanting to get away after his cousin has been beheaded. And it says night fell, and Jesus went away to pray. It's just like the story of Jonah and the whale, right? He's in the belly of the fish. He's praying. So Jesus is praying as it's night. But the disciples, they're in this boat, and they're working their butts off, trying to get to the other side of the lake. And the winds are blowing against them, and it's really, really hard. Right? And... Jesus finishes his prayer, it's like three in the morning, it says, and then Jesus begins to walk across the water, right? And they see Jesus, and they're terrified, right? They think he's a ghost. And then he calls to them, this is in Matthew 14, when the disciples, verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said. 
take courage. I'm here. And this, that simple, simple text grabbed me this week and as maybe one of the greatest truths of our lives, of the entirety of my life and your life um, from now on, right? For this, this reality, that, that's, what, that's what hope is, right? This is like the hope of God's love is this text right here where it's like you're in the struggle, you're in it, you're scared, you're spooked, and Jesus is there in it with you. He's there and he's like, don't be afraid. I'm here with you. And that was striking me. We, we got this news. We're going to have this baby. We have a baby, baby Jericho, uh, on Wednesday. And I think it was Friday night. So Friday night, Harvest and I, we, we have this sort of pattern where I will pull the mattress from one of our other rooms and I'll put it on the living room floor and we camp out there. Uh, partially because if I'm going to camp out, and I mean, you might as well, I need to be comfortable, right? So I pull the mattress out, the full bed mattress, right? I work hard to get it out there. But I'm going to get a good night's sleep if I, you're right. But it's our, at least our way of like, hey, we're, let's go sleep out in the living room. We watch shows. He falls asleep. I, and, and, and then I'll read or something right there, right next to him. And we sleep on the floor. It's our Friday. It's, it's been a Friday night thing he asks for every Friday night. Um, <laughs> But it's like once a month, maybe we'll do it, right? Uh, and it's like midnight, and I'm laying there, and I cannot sleep. And Carmel's been struggling, and so, and my mind is going, right? I, I'm thinking about, gosh, everything. All the unknowns. Like, I'm pumped, and I'm excited, and I'm praising God. But now, all of a sudden, like, you, your mind starts getting to that. And you're like, right, like, every unknown every bit of uncertainty, every, every fear. And I'm starting to get worked up in it, right? And then I thought about that text. Because it's night, too. And night fell. And Jesus was alone. And he prayed. And then there's the disciples. And Jesus comes to them and says, Fear not. I'm here. And the hardest part, and you know, and I felt like Jesus was saying that to me. And I think that Jesus is saying that to every one of us. But the hardest part of even Jesus saying that to us is believing it. <laughs> right? It's actually breathing it in. Right? To settle our hearts and settle our minds. And sometimes we can, and sometimes we can't. Or maybe it's this way, sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. And for like me, it's like, I, like I heard it, and it gave, me, it gave me comfort, but I was still struggling, even though I know this is so true. But the challenge of life is having this moment so that we would be able to rest and that kind of reality of Jesus in the praise or in the pain, she's like, don't be afraid, I'm here. And the beautiful part of Jonah in that whale and his that fish and his psalm is that he knew that God was near. And this psalm is not a psalm of being afraid. 
it's a psalm of praise of the God who is near and with them. Here's his cry. And in it, there is this rebirth for Jonah, and it will assist him in his becoming, in his destiny, right? And his destiny is not only his actions and the stuff he's meant to do going to Nineveh. We got to hear this because we, as Westerners, we get jacked up in this and we think that our destiny is all in our doing. His destiny is to be a prayer, right? What is being a prayer about? It's about being responsive and attentive and with God. It's responding to the initiation of God. That's his destiny. Yes, is your destiny about the good works that God's prepared for you? Absolutely. But your first and foremost, your destiny is to be attentive and responsive to the God who's near. And Jonah becomes awake to that. Because remember, he was running from the face of God. And so church, my friends, this is a daily invitation to find ourselves with God and to experience that transforming work of God, that God is the one who's going to bring the renewal by his goodness to us pray that you would be able to receive it so today wherever you are here zoom i keep on looking at the camera because i'm used to looking at that green light on my computer right so i'm looking at the bright light thinking i'm talking to people on zoom or on facebook oh. may you be aware of god's nearness regardless if you're in a spot of praise or of pain. I invite you to be attentive and responsive. If you're in pain, cry out to God. And if you're even struggling to know what words to use, go to the Psalms. Use the language that people have given us in order to help teach us to pray. Because in that book is cries in pain or cries within praise. Go to it. Maybe, maybe today, be mindful. Hmm, where am I? Pain or praise and become attentive to the God who's in it all and with you. Father, so we pray, come God and whisper to us for our good. Because the spot we don't want to be is far from you, or unaware of you, unattentive to you, ignoring you. God, we, we're, it's fine. Let us be mad at you. Let us be fighting with you. Let us be angry with you as we're going to see Jonah goes there. But let us not be um, ignorant or away from your face. So Lord, open our mouths to praise you. Open our mouths to cry out to you in our pain. But also, God, when you whisper to us that you're with us and for us not to be afraid, may we be able to take hold 
of that good word from you, Jesus. How your love has us. So God, let, let your voice, let your word have its way in us. My prayers are always much better when I have a background music. <laughs> they sound more holy and powerful. <laughs> you don't need it though, right? Because we have a God who hears us. Okay, so we're going to take communion. So our Zoom community, if you don't have that piece of bread, that juice, or whatever you have, grab it. When Jesus himself was asked, right? When he was asked, when he was like, show us, Jesus. Give us a sign. Let us know you're the hope. You're the one we've been waiting for. Let us know that you're the one who has all authority. You got it all. Everything is yours. Show us. And, and he said, oh, the sign I'm going to show you is the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man, right, will be in the earth for three days and three nights. That's our sign. God's love for us. That's the sign of God's authority. That's the sign of God's goodness. That's our hope. Right? So we're saying, even if we're sitting there saying, God, you got us. <laughs> Do you got this? Do you got this world? Do you got the people in India? Our brothers and sisters who are hurting there? Right? All those billions and millions of people? Do you got our loved ones who might be sick right now or hurting? Do you got our kids and maybe the broken relationships? Do you got our infertility, if that's where you are? Do you got our son Jericho, wherever he might be? And Jesus says, oh, utterly be sure. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. Right? Three days and three nights, he rose from the grave resurrection, new life, the new creation, the firstborn from it saying, I'm going to make things new. And that's you and me. And that's this world. By Jesus' invitation to join him to make, to make things new. Let it be God. So this sign is a sign of faith as we eat. Thank God we find our life in you. We find our new life in you. We find our renewed life in you. By trusting that you've got us. And so that's what we're doing. Right? We can even say, okay, we're doing this just by eating. And it's like, yep, by eating. You are our life. Right? And you are our new life. Thank you, God. So I invite you to take out that little cracker, that, that little thing. 
people on Zoom and Facebook, you're not missing anything. These are actually terrible. <laughs> but Jesus is so good. Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you for life in you. You tell us to eat, that you're true food, that you sustain us. And so we eat by saying, God, you're our life. As a church, eat. Jesus, your blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Our rebellion, our defiance, when we want to be God, because it feels so uncertain, and so we want to take control of everything, <laughs> and we're terrible at it, but yet you're God, and you shed your blood for the forgiveness of sins. We praise you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you that you have us and for your life drink amen we're going to sing one more song together and if you want to stick around on zoom or facebook we're going to open up that for you guys to be able to talk and to chat we want to worship right we're going to sing in response to that deb deb mccormick um she put together some some links for because I, I got friends who are in India and people I like and people I love and didn't know how to care for them and love for them. She, she found some organizations that were like, hey, you can give. The church has always been the ones who's done that, which is so beautiful, right? They moved in poverty and, and, and tragedy. And so, Deb, I forgot to copy that, but I know that you're on Zoom. And if you want to throw that into the chat, we will also throw out some links for people if you're like, You've got, a, you've got a friend, right? You've got people you know who care about people, who know names and faces of people in India, right? And they're here in the United States or they're somewhere else and you want to love them. Or your heart has just moved in the tragedy and you want to move them, right? We can, we can give, right? It's an act of love and care. So um, either find those places you can do and we'll try to share those links with you too. If, if you've been looking for something, Jesus invites you to love, right? Well, we're going to dismiss, and I've been using this blessing from the Northumbria community online while we've been meeting on Zoom, and uh, the words are pertinent for us today. It says, may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May God guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May God bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he's shown you. May God bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. And for us to be able to be together um, as a community is a gift. And so um, for those of you that are on Zoom, feel free to chat with each other. For those of you that are here, uh, I wouldn't want to miss this uh, opportunity. I'm here, Bo's here, um, Liz is in the lobby. If you wanted elder prayer, um, we would make ourselves available for you. Uh, Sandra's here as well. So if you, if you are wanting elder prayer, we haven't been together for like 14 months, so you should have like 14 months of <laughs> confession. I don't have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want prayer, we're here. We love you, and uh, we will see you back again then next week.
So we've got this little Jonah pillow. I can't remember where we got it from, but we've had it hanging around our house for a long time. And so I thought this is the perfect Sunday to bring it out. Jonah says hi. <laughs> okay, you should be able to unmute yourselves, and I'm going to turn off. Goodbye, Facebook. And I'm going to stop recording.